0: Hey, welcome to episode four of What Floats Your Boat. Today we're going to be talking about hell and why you're not going. So the topic of hell really gets brought up in the objection that, hey, damnation is not a just thing for a good God to do. So I really want to unpack this a little bit and see if we can elucidate why it is just for there to be some form of damnation, and whether or not that would be eternal, or if there's other elements of this that we have missed in Christian and Jewish circles. And I'm going to start by looking at the Old Testament term for hell. Uh, you know, there, There's confusion over this term because if you read your English translations, except for you know, some of the more modern ones now, the terms that are used throughout Scripture are all translated with the word hell. So whether or not different concepts are being used, the same term is used in English, so creating some sort of uh, confusion for everybody when they read through this, and there's no distinction in the mind. So every time you see the word hell in the Bible, there's the automatic assumption that this is uh, referring to that place of eternal damnation, and you hear the ominous music playing in the background. I'm going to say... You are not going there when you die. That is the opening statement of this whole discussion. And let's see if we can develop that by looking first into the Old Testament usage of the term Sheol. So Sheol is the place of the dead, place that all the dead are gathered, uh, you know, whether wicked or righteous. And you've, you've got this idea that when they die, they're going into the center of the earth. And some scholars will, will argue that this is just a, a metaphor for the ground, uh, but when we, when we look at different passages, uh, in particular First Samuel 28, there, there's a real sense in which this, that, that idea that this is a vague type of uh, going-into-the-ground uh, notion really disappears, unless we're not going to take this passage serious. And you have the, the king of Israel, Saul, who goes to a, a medium to bring up the spirit of Samuel in order to talk to him and get some counsel before he goes out to this war against the Philistines. And uh, anyway, Samuel comes up from, from the grave and he says uh, to, to Saul, why have you disturbed, disturbed me by bringing me up? And, uh, and Saul you know, talks to him knowing it's Samuel and some will debate whether this is Samuel or if this is just some sort of vision or whether it happened at all. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm taking this at face value and taking this seriously. And, and Samuel is telling Saul that he's come up from some place now, if we leave it there, there, there is some, you know, ambiguity. And people can say, well, yeah, he's just saying you brought me up as in, you know, you brought me up from this, this place where I wasn't really coherent. I was just in the ground somewhere. And now, look, I'm here. Uh, but the, the text doesn't allow you to do that, because at the end of this, uh, Saul actually is told by Samuel that he will be gathered with Samuel in this place where, where there are all of the, the saints, so you're you're told that there is going to be a gathering in in a location, and Saul is going to be there before this this war ends here. Uh, so to to really mute this and say that this is just referring to the ground uh, that Samuel uh, Saul is going to somehow just join Samuel in the ground really doesn't do justice to what what is being said here. Um, so I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump off this and say that this right here is a key passage showing us that there's some place that the Jews pictured as a abode for the dead. It's not just simply going to the ground and dying. There is something after this life where the spirit or that element of you, whatever we're going to call that soul, spirit, or you, you, your real self, goes after death. That is called Sheol. That is the place of the dead. The fascinating part of hell really comes in in the New Testament, though. So in the Old Testament, you get these little hints here and there of what, what hell looks like by using the term Sheol. Now, still, I'm using this term hell, but I'm doing that in, in light of the way that it's used in the popular culture. So uh, we'll make the distinct, distinguishing marks here in a second. But when we move to the New Testament, you have Jesus who begins to develop on this notion of Sheol. And it's interesting because he does two things. One, he develops on the Hebrew idea, but he also, in my opinion, corrects the Greek idea of the underworld. And the way this is done is this, the term Hades is used, and so the Greek term is borrowed for this, this place of the dead. And it is the conceptual overlap of Sheol from the Old Testament, but also the Hades that is envisioned by the Greek world, or even, even others of that, that time, not necessarily just the Greeks, but the place of the dead, the underworld. And so the New Testament uses this language because it's the, the popular word for where we go when we die. And the, you know, the common understanding is you're going to go somewhere in the underworld. There is an underworld. So Jesus doesn't deny this. He actually uses this word. And I, I think what he does is he develops on Sheol by adding some specificity, but then pulling some of the uh, legendary type of accretions that happen in the, the Greek mind, mindset here. So with Sheol, we only have this vague idea that you go into the ground and and there are are people there, whether they're wicked or righteous. But Jesus actually says that there are two sections within Hades. There is a part that is reserved for those who were wicked in this life, and there is a part that are reserved for the righteous. And the part that is reserved for the righteous, though not perfect, is still a place of, of relative comfort. It's a, it's a holding place where there's still bliss, if you will, going on in, in whatever, whatever form the people are in, whether it's that spirit or your, you know, your true self, whatever you want to view that as. But then the other par- portion of this is, is known as torment. So there, there is an area where there is torment. Now, the distinction here, though, is that this is not the fiery torment that we get images of elsewhere in the New Testament. This is a place that is just uncomfortable for a point. There is going to come a time when that ends. Um, according to other material in the New Testament. So the image that's given to us here is a development on Sheol, where you just have one, one location, that in that one location, there's a distinction being made. You've got the wicked here and the righteous over here. And Jesus is going to say that both of these will come to an end. And this is where you then need to use the, the proper terms of Hades or Sheol, whichever one you want to use, versus hell which is that idea of the eternal damnation now the logic of eternal damnation only really makes sense if we have this place known as hades if if let's say you were to die today and the the idea is that all of a sudden you just are going to wake up in hell or heaven there that that is the most evil thing that could happen to somebody that just isn't going to happen and so when people object to this there are there is a legitimate objection here and so that's why i'm dealing with it i don't want to discount this objection i think this is one of the most valid objections that's leveled against christianity in particular uh, is because it it really strikes at the heart of logic if you are to die right now and all of a sudden you're going to go to eternal damnation that's that's the end of the story that there is something inherently wrong with that religion and this is not what's given to us by Jesus or the apostles. This is not the, the vision that Christianity has. You do not die and then all of a sudden inherit eternal damnation and separation from God. Um, that, that, is, that is wicked. And we need, to, we need to get away from that idea and, and understand what Scripture actually says about this. Um, for, for those who die without knowing Jesus, there is that, still that reality of Hades the center of the earth going on. There is that holding ground that has been from the beginning and it still exists. And so when you die, you go into the same place. You're going to go to Hades. Now, the difference here is that those who have placed their faith in Christ no longer go to this place. So the promise to Christians is that we will inherit life. We will never die. Now, this doesn't make any sense if you really just think of death as the termination of life in the body. Uh, This makes absolutely no sense because we're all going to die. Everybody's going to die, hands down. Anybody that denies that to you is a crazy person and you shouldn't listen to them. So knowing that we're all going to die, there's got to be something going on here if Jesus says, trust in me and you will never die. You will never taste of death. So what Jesus is really saying here is that when these people went down into the center of the earth, this is tasting of death. They are feeling that separation, they're going to feel the distance from not only life on this earth, but the lack of the presence of, of uh, God and, and anything that is beyond that little holding place within the center of the earth. So when Jesus says, you're going to receive life and you will never die, what he is saying is you will never have to experience that. So from the time that he's come forward, anybody that believes in him gets to avoid that holding period. So we get to just go and be with him right after death. So we are never dying is the whole point. So even though this body is going to to die and go into the ground, we will never taste of death, which is that complex of events. So the the vanity of all of that, just tasting of the the hardship that is in the center of the earth, we will not have to deal with that. We will be in heaven. Now, this is important because that leaves the other individuals that haven't accepted Christ— in Hades. So they go to the center of the earth and you're going to be there for until the, that end point that Jesus comes back and the father decides to judge the world. And this is the key point. There is going to be a judgment. This is what Jesus preached. This is what John preached. This is what um, others in the Old Testament preached. There is going to be a judgment. The warning is for the judgment, right? So for those who do not believe in Christ and respond by faith, it is a warning of judgment. And the conscience, you know, provokes us to, to realize this. Like everybody's aware in some sense that at some point we're going to give an account of what we've done. Um, even, again, hearkening back to this idea of the agnostic. They they are telling us that we, you know, we try to do the best we can. Because there is the awareness that, you know, you're going to give some sort of account. And you're going to be judged in some sense, whether that is by God or um, in in some abstract sense of, of karma, karma reincarnation, something. There's got to be some way that we're going to be uh, repaid on what we've done. So the idea of the judgment, I think, is ubiquitous. It's all over the place. It's, you know, it's not just a Christian idea, but I think the difference is that when, when the Jews and the Christians talk about it, what they're saying is that the judgment is going to be at the feet of God. He is going to be meeting out judgment. Now, at this trial is where the ultimate decision is going to be made, on the, the eternal state of that individual. So the, the promise for the believer is that they do not have to undergo this judgment. You get to forego that because it's all been dealt with in Christ. But for those who don't believe, you will be judged. And you, you have to decide in your mind if you think that you will meet up for that judgment. Will what you've done in this life or what you, you think is right be good enough to stand up for that judgment uh, from God? Or will the, the works that you've done show forth wickedness, which will ultimately result in that eternal damnation? So th- this is the logic of the eternal damnation. With a judgment being meted out, a fair trial, if you will, it makes sense. There, there is that ramification because you, you have the awareness of it. People have told you there's a judgment. And there is, uh, at that point, going to be a just judgment. We can, If, if nothing else we can be assured that God would give out a just judgment. So the reality for those who think of hell as that place that you're gonna go to when you die is that that is not the case. When you die, you are going to go, if you do not believe in Christ, to the center of the earth where you will await a judgment. And this is the the anxiety that you, you should be avoiding. And the thing that I don't understand why Christians don't preach this, is this is the real anxiety. Like you're going to have to wait for the judgment. You know, you're going to be aware that that's coming now in this state and you're not going to know, am I going to make it or, or not? You know, so for, for let's say it's another thousand years and for another thousand years, you're going to be in this uncomfortable place awaiting, like in jail, basically awaiting the judgment, the trial. Um, that I think is the point at which we should be preaching and help and telling people, Hey, come on, like avoid this. You know, this is, this is where, you know, you want to get out of it, but it's become so easy to just say, when you die, you're going to go to hell and you're going to be eternally separated from God as the Christian gospel. You know, it's become so easy to do this, uh, because it con- convokes this or, uh, evokes this I- idea of like fire and brimstone and everything and people are like flipping out. And so they, they recoil against that. Um, but, you know, I've met, I've met enough people that have become Christians based on an irrational fear of this that they don't remain Christians. Like, this is not a legitimate way to get people into Christianity uh, or any religion. Like, you don't, you don't, you know, you don't want to just be like, yeah, you know, if you die, you're going to go to this eternal place without any sort of judgment. Um, th- there has to be some sort of logic and some sort of justice that is being done in order for that to make any sense. Thanks for joining me this week on What Floats Your Boat. I hope you enjoyed this week's topic on hell and why you're not going there.